Today on This Week Health. I think it's an interesting time in healthcare IT right now, particularly as we're seeing a lot of technologies begin to mature. Health systems are beginning to gain confidence and be able to step out and embrace some of these newer technologies that are out there. Welcome to This Week Health Community. This is Town Hall, a show hosted by leaders on the front lines with interviews of people making things happen in healthcare with technology. My name is Bill Russell, the creator of This Week Health, a set of channels designed to amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. We want to thank our show sponsors, Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Hillrom, Medigate, and F5 in partnership with Sirius Healthcare for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show. Hello, I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the Chief Medical Information Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare out of Memphis, Tennessee. And today I'm going to be having a conversation with Tom Barnett, our Chief Information Officer, about Baptist priorities for technology for the next year. Tom, how you doing? All right, Dr. Lancaster, how are you? Doing fine. You are very well known in this community, but for those who might not know you, can you tell them just a little bit of your background? Oh, sure. Lifelong IT professional. I have existed in industries prior to healthcare, but have been in healthcare specifically for the last 15 years. I've worked in health systems in Detroit, Chicago, New York, and now here in Memphis. Well, we are very lucky to have you. And so as we were just talking before we hit record, Let's go through a few of our priorities for Baptists over the next year relating to technology. So we'll we'll start off. I just want to ask you, what is your your top one to three priorities um, that you want to see us accomplish over the next year? I think it's an interesting time in healthcare IT right now, particularly as we're seeing a lot of technologies begin to mature. Health systems are beginning to gain confidence and be able to step out and embrace some of these newer technologies that are out there. The predominant one under it, it's I think the uh, the days of an on-site data center are beginning to be a little bit numbered at this point as everybody begins to move to the cloud, and that's certainly a priority for us as well. We are looking at that, not only building our cloud strategy for the coming three to four years or so, but coming up with the immediate steps that we need to address this year. And the first of those is really taking a look at some of our disaster recovery capabilities. I think a compelling case is being made, particularly by a number of health systems that are doing this already, that the cloud, whether it's Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, VirtuStream, there's a number of different vendors that do this, but being able to fail over your EMR and it's not just your Epic stack, but think about everything else in that ecosystem that goes with it. Document scanning, interface engine, a lot of those different technologies, which may have been limited before, now have a, a home or a fit in a kind of cloud strategy today. So what we're working through with our teams and our consulting partners is mapping that trajectory into one of those, those cloud environments to provide that as an alternative that while it does increase operating costs when you go to the cloud, the ability to spin down services that you don't need and kind of just keep it on a pilot light till the disaster hits makes it a fantastic strategy uh, for health systems. So that's the first one that we are eagerly undertaking this year. And as part of that cloud strategy, also 
as part of our Epic, our yearly Epic upgrades, we're moving to Epic's Hyperdrive, which is more that that web-based platform. Is there any kind of synergy with that? Those two initiatives, uh, where they would provide some, I guess, operational efficiencies on our side. Absolutely. So as we're also in parallel with that, uh, looking at changing kind of what we call our device mix across the health system. So we're going to more of a thin client as opposed to uh, a PC type of deployment. And as you evaluate Citrix versus some of the other virtual desktop type technologies that are out there, I think moving to hyperdrive and its chromium based uh, approach to doing that certainly gives us a little more flexibility as we look at other products to do desktop virtualization, uh, even from Microsoft, for example. So as we begin to evaluate that and shifting that overall load for our health system into a cloud, absolutely something that we are um, planning and, and, and making provisions for. Now, from your perspective, what from, from the Chief Medical Information Officer's perspective for Baptist, what would be one of your biggest goals for so right now, everybody's struggling with staffing shortages, and we've always had this difficulties with burnout, but over the last couple of years with the pandemic, it's really become acute. So us, like many others, are, are focusing on ways we can reduce burden to the providers within the EMR. It's always been a priority, but certainly more of it's gotten a lot more senior level attention this year than than previously. So large initiative on our nursing side to reduce uh, nursing documentation burden. You know, if we look at our efficiency metrics compared to our peers, we are kind of way outside of the norm and we're trying to get well inside the green to even better. So we have a big project ongoing right now led by our nursing leadership to to reduce some of that documentation burden. I mean, at the same time, us like many others have seen physicians get more in-basket messages, messages from patients than they typically would. This is goes and coincides with more patients doing virtual care and more patients getting signed up for our patient portal. And so we've been inundated with, with more and more patient messages. So looking at ways that we can redesign our, one, our technology, so we reduce that message burden and only get the right messages to the right uh, people at the right time but also just revamping the way we build out our processes to support that that growing area so that again just take more of that kind of administrative uh, burden off of the physicians so a couple of our big priorities on that side excellent so security has always been a big issue within healthcare but again, it seems to be more acute over the last couple of years. Does does Baptist have any big initiatives related to improving our security over the next year? Absolutely. I think in, in the former worlds, particularly with, with data centers, when everybody were, were on site, security was difficult. But now, as a result of the last two years, we've got a number of folks, just like any organization, that are working remotely, working in hybrid models. So now how we access uh, and connect with our employees, our partners, and our customers is constantly undergoing change. And I think that introduces new security risk points to consider that we didn't have before, as well as an evolving security footprint for how we need to evolve and, and embrace things. And as I mentioned before, even moving to the cloud, all of the permutations and variables of, of complexity that come in with that. 
certainly makes the security landscape even more complex. I've used this line before, but I really like it. It's no matter how well you do in security, you can't stand stand still. I mean, it, you're constantly having to raise your game. So the minute you build around your, your health system, the perfect 10 foot wall, as soon as you wake up the next morning, the, the bad guys have shown up with an 11 foot ladder. So it's constantly evolving. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're connecting with our peers. What are others hearing? What are others trying? What are others doing? We're evaluating internally, kind of what do those new landscapes look like? What do those new threat opportunities look like? And we're constantly uh, trying to evolve and enhance our, our security technology. Healthcare is not going to get any easier. So I think as, as that complexity continues to go up, our ability to keep Baptists as safe as we can and, and, and to close as many of those doors as we can is always going to be one of our top priorities. And how do you balance security and, and usability? There's always been a large pushback from the provider community on any sort of security measures uh, within our, our technology, password uh, logout requirements and such. But I, I feel like providers have gotten a little bit better over the last few years. When we rolled out multi-factor authentication, there was much less noise than I was expecting. Most had been used to it from interacting with banks and others and outside sectors. But still, it's there is a, a sense that with the burnout, with all the other usability issues that we have, how do we balance and make sure that we don't make it too onerous to for the providers to get into the system? Absolutely. So part, part of the way you can do that, and you're absolutely right, we have become conditioned as a society. I mean, everything we do is now with our smartphone, and we always have uh, double checks to do or, or codes that are pushed and so forth. But the other thing that we can do is leverage a couple of things. And I think I'll come back to cloud as well. Number one is, is analyzing the workflow. So I'm going to keep coming back to that. But workflow to me is always front and center to everything that we're doing. And making sure that we kind of close the doors around the things that aren't as necessary. And then utilize techniques to make sure that the higher flow workflow, in this case at a position, is as secure as we can make it without being intrusive to the extent that we can. Things like, think about tap badges, in addition to push alerts or push approvals to the phone, particularly as you approach devices, those kind of things where you make them just in time, injected into the moment and a non-obtrusive type of verification. I think those combined with cloud technologies, now that's where we get into artificial intelligence, the ability to ingest log files, the ability to ingest patterns, even for yourself as a physician, and be able to look for things that step outside of that pattern rather than make you validate per se once you're inside a building, every little door that you need to go through. Maybe there's an opportunity where we can validate you periodically as you're moving through that, but the minute you begin to do things that are out of the norm or out of your behavior, then be able to offer a higher level of scrutiny and intrusive from your perspective to uh, just validate that you are truly who you are. So I think there is a balancing game. The easiest way to keep all IT systems as secure as possible is just make sure nobody has an ID to get into them. They just don't tend to be usable. <laughs> so striking that balance, but then leveraging those technologies, machine learning and, and AI attributes that are out there, I think is, is one of the ways to help make them higher security, but able to live with 
Now, from the chief medical information officer's perspective, what's next on your list for the year? So going to keep coming back to usability and improving the, the provider's experience with especially the electronic medical record. So a couple of different projects that we've been working on last year with the change in the E&M coding guidelines, we we thought there was going to be a great opportunity to improve our physician's experience with notes. And so we had a big project to reduce the documentation burden and we developed new templates. We worked with a lot of different physician groups and we're, we're able to make some some real strides in reducing that burden. But recently, the I believe it was an article in the Annals of Internal Medicine, they, they analyzed actually since the change occurred and with the E&M coding guidelines, the difference in time spent in notes from a large um, selection of the physician population, not just a single center, and found that the notes are about the same size. They spend about the same amount of time in notes. The only difference was that the physicians were able to increase the level of service charge from, from a three to a four in most circumstances. So really no change in the documentation burden. So we're taking a little bit of a, a different uh, approach this year. We, we are piloting uh, DAX, Dragon Ambient Experience from Nuance so that we can try to automate some of that note writing process. It's, I know a lot of other places have, have already rolled out their, their pilot, but we're starting that hopefully this spring with about 15 providers where the AI will listen to that patient position conversation, generate a note. They'll have a, another third party's position, review that note first, make any edits that are necessary, and then put it back into the to Epic for our physicians to just review and sign. I'm really hoping that that goes a long way, that that virtual ambient scribe goes a long way in, in reducing that that burden on the position. So very excited about that approach. And that's something we'll be focused on in, in the coming months. That sounds like an exciting program to undertake. Yeah. You mentioned three priorities as far as the next few years for, for Baptist from, from your standpoint. What's the third one? So the third one is part of the other hat that I wear in the chief information officer role is I'm also have digital responsibilities. So chief uh, digital officer as well. Part of that revolves around if we're going to really engage, there's a lot of things that are competing for our patients today, as you and I both know, uh, and not the least of which is the growth of uh, Amazon as they're beginning to reach out in the uh, televideo services, particularly in the primary care space. Engaging our patients really means looking at their journeys. So we really want to make sure that we're understanding what our patients want to do with us, as well as understanding what that journey should look like. So in order to optimize something, you've got to first know what it is uh, today. So we're working with an external firm to do a couple of things. We're doing some focus groups with some, some patients in a couple of our market spaces as well as mapping and, and kind of uh, digitally laying out what does that journey look like today and what do we want it to look like uh, in the future. And then once we understand what that smooth or, or a seamless journey experience should be for the patient and how we want to make that as simple as possible, least number of clicks and so forth for the patient, now we can look at what kind of, which technologies do we pull into that. I think it's an overused phrase, but Steve Jobs said technology is at its best when it's invisible. And it's one thing that I've always cringed with patients is that they're too aware of 
the different handoffs between different technologies they engage with and when they're trying to do business with the health system. The ideal state would be that you can get to what you need very quickly and that it's kind of pulled you along and anticipates your needs along the way. And you may have been handed off between two, three, or four different technologies under the surface. The way to make that cohesive is to start with a good, sound, end-to-end patient experience journey. And that's what uh, we're focusing on this year in anticipation of, of that driving some of our other digital strategies. Well, that is, that is fantastic. Is there anything else that we need to tell the audience about what we're planning on doing in the next three or four years? I think that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I think probably from both of our perspectives, we always are sensitive to the cost component. So optimizing and, and trying to find streamlined ways of doing anything, whether it's how we utilize technology, where we can streamline physician time, where I can decrease the complexity of uh, technology stack that's supporting all of our frontline caregivers. That's an overriding theme, and I think it's, it's perennial. We, we're going to be doing that year in and year out going forward, but that will definitely be an overriding, another priority for us again this year. Yeah. As part of some of those efficiency projects that I was mentioning, we we were able to go in and try to assign a a price tag to some of those minutes and hours for nursing time and doing the same for physician time, just so we can you know make it make it stand out to our 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 financial wizards about how much time is really being wasted with unnecessary activities. So that, along with using the data from the EHR and, and several other components to find opportunities for cost savings especially over these last couple of years with with salaries and such going up. So those are definitely some some things that are always going to be sensitive to. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Enjoyed the conversation and I will see you down the hall. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I love this show. I love hearing from people on the front lines. I love hearing from these leaders. And we want to thank our hosts who continue to support the community by developing this great content. We also want to thank our show sponsors, Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Hillrom, Medigate, and F5 in partnership with Sears Healthcare for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. If you want to support the show, let someone know about our shows. They all start with This Week Health, and you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. Keynote, Town Hall, Newsroom, and Academy. Check them out today, and thanks for listening. That's all for now.